Good evening, and welcome to the Imagine That with Robin Ritchie podcast. I'm your host, Robin Ritchie. Tonight, it gives me pleasure to present to you none other than stage, film, television actor, and comedian, and not to mention two-time Emmy nominee, Mark Christopher Lawrence. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hello. Hello. Welcome back. How have you been? I've been well. I've, I've been well, um, you know, considering, you know, this pandemic has been rough, you know, with with loss of folks, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you know, I've had, I think we talked about it before, I've, I've lost a lot of people since March. And, and yes. other than that, you know, I'm good. Yes, yes, yes. And the family is good. It was an interesting year. You know, I, I, I kept the ball rolling a little bit. I, I would say that not only did you keep it rolling amidst all of the, as you said, all of what has been happening. And uh, I think that there are so many of us. You know, I'd love for you to share with us, because this is not the first time that you were nominated for an Emmy. It's actually the second time. Walk us through that experience of learning that this, in fact, has taken place. Well, both of my nominations came last year. Yes. Um, the nominations were, and the way I found out about the first one, the director of the film also produced it. She sent me an email and said, "Hey, uh, we we're nominating you for an Emmy." Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. and then in the middle is uh, writer, director, actor R- Rusty Cundiff. Cundiff, yes. Uh, yeah, Rusty wrote a lot of the Dave Chappelle show, a lot of the, and directed some of the sketches. Um, you know, he's 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 a good friend, and uh, we're we're actually pitching the show together. Generally, when he's working, he tries to find something for me, which is fantastic. Yes, that's marvelous. That's marvelous, and this is a friendship that has spanned decades. Yeah, I, I met him when I was in the eleventh grade. Uh, my my mentor Perry was his frat brother at USC. Well, you know, I, I think I think <laughs> just to have some fun. And and I think Rusty at that point was really trying to control his destiny as a writer mm-hmm. and director because he got a little feedback from the short where uh, in, in fact Chris Chris Rock's company uh, you know reached out to Rusty and wanted him to write Chris Rock's movie CB4 mm. and Rusty said well the only way I'd do that is if I could direct it and then they said well what would you do and he and he says well I'd get rid of the plot and make it a mockumentary like this is Spinal Tap and they didn't hire him and they hired Penelope Spears to do it. And then um, shortly after he got the deal from ITC Entertainment Group. And so we did Fear of Black Hat. And I think, I think, uh, I don't think we were trying to make, to make any serious political statement with it. We just wanted it to be funny and, and spoof a lot of the uh, rappers that were around at the time. And yes. um, I still get messages in my inbox and, and on posts where I post pictures from different rappers. That character that you just showed on the screen, that's when the group broke up. And mm. so my spoof, I was spoofing Prince B from from um, PM Dawn. Yes, and yes. Just last year, I posted that picture. And uh, one of the guys from, from that group, PM Dawn says, man, you are wrong for that. He says, but Prince B loved it and, and we love to watch it together. It was so funny. You know, so it's, it's, it's great when you hear that from people that you're kind of poking fun at. 
Right. But at the same time, uh, you know, again, this is a part of our, our history and uh, it, it, it really and truly is. And you were, during those early days, you were charting your legacy, that of which you are still commandeering now, but it has blossomed to such a degree that uh, the world knows who you are. You know, it's funny that that, that legacy word has popped up twice on me this week. I um, did an interview with a, a friend of mine. He's he's uh, My Michael Taylor uh, from Theater Corner, and um, he asked me about my legacy. What did I see my legacy as? And I said, you know, I've never really asked myself that question. I never really looked at my life in that kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, I think I just lived my life day to day. And then uh, at the end of it, you know, uh, I'm thinking uh, in terms of what did I do with the dash, you know, born 1964, yes. died whenever. And so, you know, the dash is, is, is where we're living our life. And I didn't think of, I, I've never thought about what I want people to think. I just want them to think something. Yes. You know, and, and, and hopefully is that I was kind to them, you know, when they met me and um, never really thought in terms of my body of work being a part of my legacy, because there's more to me than my body of work. Of course. So, so, uh, you know, when we, when we use the legacy word, it, it, it uh, starts making me think about it a little bit. And I don't know if that's a good thing for me. <laughs> because I don't want to get caught up in trying to create legacy as opposed to just living life and letting the chips fall unfolds. where they may. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Right. But you also operate in excellence and the outcome and the result is what it is. So again, yes. as you stated, uh, it would just manifest and unfold naturally. And uh, it's the evolution of Mark Christopher Lawrence. All of us, we we all have that. And I think part of that is just maturity. I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting mature. I don't know if I'm getting any wiser, but, but but I'm maturing. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's all of us, and of course you are, and of course you know he is a funny man, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. So, <laughs> who are some of your comedic influences? You know, of course, you know, he's not popular right now, but Bill Cosby, uh, you know, Bill gave me a note one time. He, he watched seven minutes of my act uh, on a video when I was working on Ghost Dad. And he said to me, he says that I was, you know, he says, you're not giving him a chance to laugh. You're telling too many jokes. He said, slow down. He said, um, let your joke land and then don't move, don't talk until the laughter starts to subside. And I went from having a seven minute act to a 25 minute act overnight. I was doing 25 minutes of jokes in seven minutes. You know, so so clearly, you know, Bill, because he's a storyteller, Richard Pryor, storyteller. Red Fox wasn't necessarily a storyteller, but his his timing, I think, you know, I really liked. And 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 then I noticed, you know, I have a, a, a cassette tape. If some of you kids might not know what a cassette tape is. Like, cassette tape <laughs> is what we used to listen to things on. <laughs> so, uh, and it's it's Red Fox before it starts, the first half of the tape is before he was on Laugh Records. The second half of the tape is Laugh Records. So when he started, he was squeaky clean. 
And then when he went to Laugh Records is when he switched. Yes. And, um, but funny, both both ways. Right. You know, and, you know, and then working with different different headliners, you know, I, I kept getting the, the note, you know, work clean. You can, you can always work anywhere when you work clean. Robin Harris told me that one day. We were working in a park and his act was exactly the same that he was doing at Comedy Act Theater, but not dirty at all in the park. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And he says, you know, if you have a joke that's dirty by premise, you can't clean it up. He says, but you can clean up, you know, a joke that's 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 written clean. He says, you can dirty that up if you have to. Yes. And so, you know, great note, another great note from a, a, a monster of a comic, you know, who Absolutely. I really admired. Um, and so I think those are my top few. And then Sinbad, you know, oh. uh, watching Sinbad is, is, is the way he tells stories that are so universal you know that that was one of the one of the people that really influenced me sure sure that's beautiful he first came on my radar during the star search days star search mm -hmm. yes yes absolutely i was that's amazed at how funny he could be in like you know that 90 second spot that they give you you know on the show it's like 90 seconds I, you know, I don't have 90 seconds. I'm still saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's, 90 That's because you listened to, to uh, Mr. Cosby. You took right. his advice. I You're know. taking your time. I got, I got to speed up. So. <laughs> There's a happy medium, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I don't think you're doing too shabbily. How about that? <laughs> yeah, well, I think part of it too is that you know when you tell stories, it's like the pace is important. You yes. know of, of how you tell the story, where you speed up, where you slow down, and um, just little techniques that that you use, you know, to make the story more interesting. Sure. And um, like like sometimes if if somebody opens for me and their energy is really big, and I want to bring the room back down to where I need it to be. And I'll start off with their energy. You know, I'll start off fast with that big energy. And then I find that once I'm there and I get them, then I start slowing it back down and bringing it to a space where I want to live, yes. you know? And sometimes if, it's, if the energy is just way too big and I go, okay, that's going to be hard to follow with that and keep that pace. So then I'll come out and I'll sing and that changes the mood of the room. And then, you know, once you have them quiet and then you can do whatever you want to do. Right, right. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I would love to know, what are your thoughts about comedy today? I think today, you know, comics are, the older comics are who they are. You know, they do what they do. And, it, you know, a lot of them, because the audience has become, uh, so thin skinned, you know, we as Americans have, have become thin skinned. And um, a lot of the old school guys get in trouble because, you know, you say whatever it is that's on your mind. And even if you're just pointing something out, people get offended by it. And it's like, it's like, you know, don't take the sound bite, look at the whole bit and see, you know, the context. Mm -hmm. Who validated this modern cancel culture who gave the mysterious them they who, who 
the power. power. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't know who who validated it, but but you know, there's lots of groups that are jumping on the bandwagon on it, you know, and it's and, and it's it's from just from a performance standpoint, you know, as you're working, sometimes you might edit yourself as you go because you're thinking, Well, I don't wanna offend them and you know, who is them? And I think right. as artists, we just have to do what we do and then if somebody gets offended, then you know either let's have a conversation about it or or deal with the aftermath. And and so me, I'm at that age where I have kind of I'm, I'm getting close to zero tolerance for BS and and even less tolerance for for compromising what I'm doing when I'm on stage. Yes. And um, so then the chips are just going to have to fall where they may if I say something that offends somebody. I think I I, I can't worry about somebody wanting to cancel me. You know, and I, I think one thing like like with Dave Chappelle, for example, because he's in a power position, you know, the cancel culture, even though it tried to cancel him a couple of times, couldn't. Right. And 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 I think that that uh, you know, even on a level where I am, or or you know, where other comics in, in sort of my level are, you know, I can't we can't be afraid of being canceled. I think we have to just do what we do. And, you know, sure, maybe somebody may not hire me because of something I said, or maybe, you know, that ship is sailed, but I'll, but I'll still work. Yes. You're not starving. Exactly. That's, that's a fact. As I look at my, <laughs> my neck on screen. <laughs> You're perfectly fine. It is amazing to me, uh, when I think about it and um, how, and you as a comedian, do you believe that political correctness can actually cancel out comedy as we've known it at some point? If, if we don't bring this to a denouement. I, I think it's already disrupted comedy. Mm -hmm. as we know it. Um, I don't know that it can cancel it out completely because people are going to find a way to, to say what's on their mind. And I think at some point, comics are going to just go, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to do what I do. Yes. The you brave know? ones. The brave yeah. ones. Yeah. And then, and then the ones that aren't brave, I mean, do we really want to hear them anyway? <laughs> Is there anything you won't do? Are there any topics that are off limits for you during stand-up? I, I don't think so. I, I think I can talk about anything. Uh, it just depends on where I'm working. Like, like, like there's some topics that I probably won't talk about in a church, you know, because I, because I do a lot of comedy in churches and there's some things that, that, you know, it's just inappropriate. Right. Um, like, like, for example, I, I, I have a bit where I say I let out a little pee. And um, I was doing the 700 Club and I had just written this bit. And so I said to them, I said, hey, I was thinking about this joke and I ran it by him. I said, you think it, that's too much? And, and the lady, she goes, Christian's pee. <laughs> and so, so I do the bit and it kills. And mm -hmm. I was on a tour right before the pandemic started in Canada. And the guy who, who um, hired me on the tour said to me, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that bit about the pee and I said, I did that bit on 700 Club, Christian's Pete. Right. 
He says, well, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're doing like, you know, the, the, um, these churches that we're doing, they were, uh, what do you call it? Mennonites. He says, you know, it might be too much for them. And so I do the bid anyway, and it destroys the place. <laughs> I'm like, I look at him. Cause I could see him standing against the wall. I, yes. I just gave him a look like, I'll handle this part. You just keep getting them, <laughs> collecting the dough. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Well, you know, uh, clearly, once again, you're doing something right because you are one of the most recognizable actors whom I know. And you've been working steadily for three decades. We've seen you on, and I mean, these are blockbusters. These are blockbuster movies. These are uh, Emmy Award winning sitcoms. We've seen you on everything from Seinfeld to just, just everything. It's just unimaginable over the years. If you followed Mark's career, ladies and gentlemen, uh, his career is so, your career is so diverse. So you have stage and screen and uh, film. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. Where do you feel most comfortable or most liberated? I prefer stage um, because like I said earlier, it's like, you know, if you suck right now and, right. and if I'm doing a play, then if something doesn't work, then tomorrow I can, I can try to fix it for tomorrow. Exactly. And, and so the only thing that you know uh, as as an actor, uh, is what your day was like, right? You know what your day was, and you get to the theater. You don't know what your your scene partner's day was, and when you get on stage, you know you got to be really listening because they may give you a line that looks slightly different way than they did last night. Yes. And so, how do I deliver my response in a way that's appropriate to the way he said the line tonight? Um, you don't know what the audience has gone through. So, so the audience is laughing or crying in different places, you know, because, because their day might've been something that you have no idea it was. Right. And, um, and, and, and we truly uh, affect people, you know, with live and, and it's, and it happens right now. I was doing, um, fences. I played Gabriel and at the end of the play, you know, Gabriel comes out to blow the trumpet to let his brother into heaven. And, you know, every show, people are crying at the end of the play. This makes you realize that, that, you know, what we do, although it's not brain surgery, we affect people. Absolutely. And so I think that's why I like stage better than the other stuff. That's beautiful. If you weren't acting or if you weren't a comedian, what would you be doing? Probably would have... <laughs> Well, one of two things. I, I would have either gone to law school uh, because I went to USC on a debate scholarship, or something went wrong. Or I would have um, probably found my way into wardrobe in movies and TV because I, I, it's like when I'm working, those are the people I hang out with. I hang out with like the people in wardrobe because they know where to get stuff. Yes. You know, it's like it's like if you got a piece of piece of wardrobe that you like, it's like, hey, where where, where did you get this? <laughs> and, and they yes. know. I think I like wardrobe better than anything else on set. Uh, other than directing, I'm, I'm directing a little bit now, and I, I like that. But wardrobe is probably where I would have been. Yes, that's very interesting. That's wonderful, and and all of these things overlap. They're all interconnected, you know. So yeah. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about working with James Cameron. Mm. James is an interesting cat. He he um he knows what he wants to see and the way he wants to see it. it very very much like uh, a performance artist. You know, yes. I worked with Razor Abdo years ago, and Razor would say, "Mark, run down here." Say your line real fast, scream, fall down, then go. <laughs> and um, and then he goes, uh, no, wait, no. Run down here, scream, say your line real fast, fall down, then go. Yes. Okay, so very specific. And James was like that. He, he was very specific. And and sometimes, if even if he hasn't written a line for it, he, he would come to me and say, Mark, what would you say right here? And I throw something out and he go, oh, yeah, cool come come with me and then so we get into the scene and he'd have the camera set up but he knew exactly the way he wanted that scene to fold out it's not like he came to work and tried to figure it out on the day it's like he knew what he wanted to see sure. you know there's a scene where we're chasing linda down the hall yes uh, yes the, the famous scene and, absolutely and, and she she was she was uh you know, in super shape. She was working out, you know, twice a day, six days, seven days a week. <laughs> and yes. my character's title was Burly Attendant. And so at one point, you know, we're running down this hallway. He's got, I think he's got the steady cam going. He's got three other cameras going. And so she turns the corner and then we turn the corner and, and we're shooting this thing at like three in the morning and she's running full speed. And so me and the other Burly Attendants are chasing after her. And so it, probably after about 10 takes, they go, he says, hey, um, you guys try to stay closer to her when you're running down the hallway. I said, you got to slow her down. We're burly <laughs> attendants. <laughs> Don't forget who we are. <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. But but he was, you know, he knew what he wanted to see and it, and it shows in the work. I mean, when you see the work, it's like, it's very specific. Yes. Like, clearly. The, the, the results mm -hmm. are astounding. Change the way we watch movies. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I can't tell you how many times I have seen that film, the first one, the second one. Um, mm -hmm. I really and truly, the only thing that leaves that in the dust is The Godfather, meaning as oh. uh, the, the number of times that I've watched it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's like a case study for me, and I think a lot of people, <laughs> I would dare to yeah, say. Well, every time I see it, as I'm flipping through the channels, I'll stop and watch The Godfather. It's like, it's just so good. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the cinematography, I'm looking at it for the cinematography and so just so many, many mm -hmm. things. Um, it's, as I said, it's a case study for me. And Terminator 2, Judgment Day, became that also in its own way. There's a scene where Arnold, Arnold kind of mushes you. How he, did he you prepare throws me that? into throws a window. Like, right, right. And and the yes. fifth thing and the one, yes. Were you okay? <laughs> well, they had a stuntman. A stuntman. Was he okay? And, yeah, so, so we're down on our knees. And so I would come up, you know, to just about the standing position. 
and then they brought a catapult in and then they bring the stuntman in and he stands on the catapult and then they do the rest of the scene Arnold grabs him looks like he just throws him with one hand into the window and I wanted to do that stunt and uh Joel Kramer who was the the uh stunt coordinator he says Mark he says don't do it he says he says you know these guys train for it Yes. He says, and we don't have anything on the other side of that window. He says, if you go through that window, we're three stories up. You're going to hit the ground. He says, so so um, you can act. He says, so why risk that? Right? Why risk an injury that that may take you out of acting? I was like, point taken. I concur. <laughs> and, I stepped, and I stepped aside and let the stepman do what he does. But my yeah. best friend, Lennon, when he saw it in the movies, he said, that's not you. <laughs> He knew, he knew it wasn't me, you could see. Yes, 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 yes. But it, it's it's such an awesome film and in actuality, uh, an awesome role. You're, you're right there with Linda Hamilton and uh, that's wonderful. You mentioned Chuck. Can we talk about Chuck a little bit? Television wise, uh, in the top two of everything I've done, the most fun I've ever had working, you know, it's, you know, toss up between that and fear of a black hat is the most fun. And yes. then, you know, the George Wentz show is probably right in there too, just, just because of the people involved, right. you know, I mean, we had a big cast on each other, 10 of us. Uh, and it was fun being on set with everybody and everybody was lovely. Uh, I originally was read for the character of Harry Kane, which I didn't get. And then uh, we get a call, you know, said Josh Schwartz loves you. He wrote this other part and uh, he wants you to play that instead of Harry Payne. And, you know, maybe hire by and I end up doing every episode first season and then they made me a series regular second season. Yes. But just a lot of fun. You know, Zach Levi, arguably one of the most genuine, um, generous people that I've ever worked with. I'm so happy for his success. You know, he's Shazam and Kurt Warner, and you know, he's he's singing on Broadway, and and I uh, just saw an interview with him yesterday on YouTube, where he's talking about uh, how he's been trying to get the movie, a Chuck movie, going. Really? And so it sounds like he's he's close to getting something done. I don't know if it's going to be a movie or if it's going to be a reboot, but he's in conversations with the creators, and it looks like there's some traction. So we'll see what happens. Stay tuned. Yes, we shall stay tuned for that. Uh, tell us a little bit about the character, Chuck. Big Mike and the relation between the two. You were Big Mike. So, so I was Big Mike and Chuck was sort of an unwitting spy in the first three seasons. And uh, uh, you know, he gets this thing in his head, but, but Big Mike is sort of a no-nonsense boss who really didn't want to do any work. He, he, he believed in the power of, of uh, having other people do it. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, perfect, just perfect for, for uh, a boss. Uh, and I thought he was polar opposite of me in that, you know, the first few seasons, he was a little hard. He was a little hard and, and surly. It, which is I'm I'm not hard at all or surly, and then, and then he goes to uh, the El Segundo School of Business Management, and it softens him a little bit. Mm -hmm. And and I I was I don't I kind of fought against that a little bit because 
I enjoyed playing, you know, for lack of a better term, the butthead. You know, he, he, <laughs> he's, he's, he's the guy that 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 nobody really likes. You know, they fear him as opposed to respect him. And then mm, after he yes. goes to the El Segundo School of, of of Business Management, then they start to respect him. <laughs> you know, so so I think that it, it, it was probably a needed arc for the character. But not as interesting to pay, play for me because once he got a little softer, it became closer to me. Mm. And I like the stretch. I was about to say, so it wasn't that much of a, tr a stretch for you. And you have a, yeah. a fantastic reputation in the industry uh, of being a kind, decent gentleman. I hope so. You know, I, I, I try to conduct myself in a way on set, you know, that people see me as a pro and, you know, they want to work with you, you know, and, and, and I think, I think in life, I'm generally nice to people, to everybody I meet until you make me not, <laughs> you, 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 know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause there's always that one person that, that, that will try to take you out of your, your space. But then once I recognize that, then I just cut them. That's that. Yes. 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 Well, clearly you're doing a, a wonderful job of it because you are always cast opposite A-listers. You are right there in the mix. You were right there throughout your entire career. You know, and I always say I'm a part away from blowing up. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like you know, people who know my face, they don't really know my name. But, and I, and I realize that that directly affects what you get paid, you know, and whether you get offers or you got to jump through all the hoops. I, I, I think the thing about working with A-listers is you learn so much every time. Like my very first play, uh, actress equity play was Anthony and Cleopatra and, and Rosalind Cash was in it and Mitchell Ryan and CCH Pounder, Kyle Sikor, John Goodman, you know, all these really awesome yeah, actors were in it. and. And it just makes your acting take a leap when you're working with somebody that's that's good. It's like it's like either you're gonna you're gonna keep up or get mopped up. Yes. And and so for me, it it was definitely uh, a learning experience every time I work with somebody who's who's big. Like for Will Smith, for example, in Pursuit of Happiness. Yes. You know, yes. Let's talk about he that. He tried to get better every take. You know, he's trying to get better, and I was the same way. It's like that's the that's the way I work. I try to get better every take. I give you something a little different every take until yes. we find it, you know? And like th that particular scene that you're showing right there, you know, that was, uh, I think my best scene in that movie with him. And second take was a great take. He reaches from a pocket and slap his hand. And and um, he looks, he wouldn't watch it on the monitor. He says, man, you got to see it. I said, mm-mm, I can't watch it. As if I watch it, I'll try to fix it. And so I'd rather just, you know, trust that the director's watching it and um, but, but Will, you know, he's the real deal. I mean, he, he is, is a good actor. I, I tried not to like him when he first came on the scene because he, he was this 17 million, 17 year old millionaire, you know, protege of Quincy Jones, who is all, all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to be an actor. And it's like, uh, I was With like, oh, you know, can he act like Right. And then I saw him in six degrees of separation and I was like, oh, he's got some chops. 
And then when I work with him, it's like my respect for him just just grew exponentially, you know, because one, he was such a great guy. First day I'm on set, I go into the makeup uh, trailer and he's in there. Normally superstars are in their own trailer and makeup comes to them. And so he's he's in the makeup trailers. It's his makeup artist and the one that's working on me. And he gets up out of the chair, comes and gives me a hug and a handshake and says, welcome to the set. Let's have some fun. And and it's like out of all the years I've been in the industry, nobody has ever done that. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and, and he uh, he's he's really a superstar. Yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. That's a great. Yeah, I'd love to work with him again. So, Will, if you ever see this, let's do something else. Well, that's fantastic, because I was going to ask that question. Who would you like to work with that you have uh, not worked with? thus far living man so top top of the list would be james earl jones you know mm. yeah i met him in my agent's office one year he, he and i had the same agent for a while and he's just such a generous and kind man and and um the the play that i saw that made me want to be an actor uh i saw him in fences at the schubert theater in los angeles and mary alice was in it and um Courtney Vance. Yes. And James was riveting. Yes. Yes. And and then I went home and and I think that same night, you know, Claudine was on. Mm-hmm. And I was I like, that. that's the guy from the play. And he was so good that it was just like, you know, wow, I would love to do that. And never really thought about it because my path was trying to go to law school. Mm-hmm. And that's then amazing. It happened, you know, God God does what he does, <laughs> puts you yes. where he wants you to be, regardless of, of what we want to do. But I would love to work with him. I, I would love to work with, you know, a lot of these actors that have been around for years and years. You know, um, De Niro, Ficino, Hoffman. Uh, I'd love to work with John Goodman again. You know, yes. uh, I, I worked with him on his show, Center of the Universe, and in, in the play, and in Cleopatra. Uh, I'd like to work with the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I like their stuff. Their stuff is so fun and quirky and uniquely them. I'd love to work with Spike. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think I missed an opportunity to work with Spike when I was in college. There's, there's, there's so many, there's so many. Yes. You know, uh, 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 Jessica Lange, mm. I think is such a fierce actor. Viola Davis. Absolutely. Would love to work with her. You know, there's so many. Yes. So many. You know, when I figure in, in time, some, you know, some, of these, some, some of these will pop up. I, I really and truly do believe that because they all know who you are. And uh, you mentioned Mr. Jones, meaning James Earl Jones. I do yeah. believe that today is his birthday. I think I saw something online. Was it today, was it today, today or yesterday? Or yesterday? Right. 91? Right. Exactly. I better hurry up. Hurry up, universe. Put that bid in. <laughs> right. Put that bid in. But yeah, that's 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 really really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you do to unwind? It's probably not popular in California, but uh, I, I I I like shooting sports. Um, I like you know shooting sporting plays and action pistol competitions and stuff like that. Interesting. Interesting. I love the gun range myself. I, I don't have a license, but I have friends of mine who do. Yeah. I love the gun range. 
I can't ride a bike. My range, <laughs> my range just put in um, this interactive target. So uh, what you see is like a cartoon kind of thing, like a, a, a video game. And as you shoot, you're actually hitting a paper target. So right. when you're done, the target comes forward. You see where you hit and where you missed. And, and yes. that thing is, has really got me hooked. It's like, it's like uh, ammo is way too expensive for me to be over here playing this thing. <laughs> I love that, though. I, I love that. I actually yeah. and I know exactly because it's on it's on a uh, it looks like a, a clothes line clip almost yeah. uh, that. Yes, I love that. Uh, that mm -hmm. me going to the gun range is an ideal date for me. So that just is a glimpse, ladies and gentlemen, into my personality. I can't ride. Well, the next time I'm in New York, we should go. <laughs> On your license. I don't have one, but I do have friends of mine who do. Um, and that's usually when I'm in Florida, actually. And I, mm. I love it. I really and truly do. So what you're talking about, yeah. I'm fully familiar with that. You know, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And you don't have to have a license to go to the range. You just have to have a license to, to carry in the open, you know, to, to conceal carry. So you don't have to have a license to go to the range. Sweet. I didn't so. know that. Yeah. So that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know. But that. we should, we should make it happen. We're in the same town. Let's do it. If you ever get out this way, you know. And you're in go. Cali. You're in California. I'm in Cali. Mm -hmm. Yes. 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 I'd love that. As the song says, you know how to party. <laughs> I love that. I love archery. Mm. The one thing I haven't done uh, thus far is fencing. I really want to take a couple of lessons just because I always thought it was sexy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole bougie-ness about it. You know, the whole long guard, you know, <laughs> that's all I want to yeah. do. I just want to have a cute outfit and say ungod and strike a pose. That's all, uh, I, that's all I need to do. That's it. <laughs> there's a, there's a place near, near my home, probably six blocks away from me. And it's it's the uh, fencing academy, and you know they teach fencing for for stage, and I, I, for years I've been threatening to go over there and, and and try it out, but I think now it's like you know it's it's sort of fallen off of my desire to do list. Yes, yes, yes. That's too cute. I and 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 once again, I am not athletically inclined at all with the exception of dance coming up and uh, i i i i shared that with you earlier um clearly uh, <laughs> but with the exception of dance and choreography that that was it for me really mm -hmm. truly you know so those things like the gun range and uh, archery that that is about as close as i can get it but the gun i i'm i'm pretty good with it good I'm pretty good yeah. Good. It, it, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely a skill that that you can you can hone, and it's a skill that that diminishes when you don't practice. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. But I love shooting the sporting clays. Pull. You know, <laughs> I had I took a lesson with with a guy who in the seventies was was the premier uh, shooter, uh, sporting clay shooter in America, if not the world. 
And uh, he said to me, he thought I could poss possibly be one of the best shooters in the world if, if well, he didn't tell me, he told Paul, who took me to, to the lesson, if I could practice every day. And I was like, well, you know, if I could practice every day, you know, <laughs> that would be fantastic, but who could afford that kind of ammo? <laughs> right, right, right. I, I need a sponsor. <laughs> right. And who can afford that time? When I would practice for a competition, you know, I'd go every day for a couple of weeks leading up to it. And I'd spend probably two hours. And, you know, we, we make time for what we want to do. You sure. know? And, and so, so I would, I would make time for that. If, if, mm -hmm. if, if I thought I had a realistic chance of, of, you know, being on the Olympic team or something, you know, right. Right. You right. Know, make that national team and then they pay for everything. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Yeah. For you, what what's your idea of an ideal role? I think at this point in my career, because I've done so much funny stuff, I think the ideal role for me would be to play something very dark. You know, um, serial killer, maybe, uh, you know, something like that. I think uh, just to get back to the roots of what my training is, I think I'm a, I'm a better dramatic actor than I am a comedic actor. Comedy comes easy to me uh, in, in acting because my chops are solid. And uh, as a dramatic actor, you got to dig around in ugliness and, and find a way to get to where you need to be, you know, emotionally. And, and um, I think uh, I work harder at it right. than I do at the comedy side of it. And um, so, yeah, I think an ideal role for me would be something, a very dark character. You know, maybe he's a guy that's very likable. You know, a lot of serial killers are. <laughs> you know, they're likable and then, mm -hmm. until they're not. <laughs> and so so I think that's that's a character that I would like to explore. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. What about leading romantic roles? Yeah, I'm down to kiss Holly Berry. You hear that, Hallie? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's a possibility in that uh, everybody, there's there's someone for everybody. And you don't have to have a certain look to be romantically involved. Mm -hmm. And and I think we've sort of gotten away from that with, with the invention of Hollywood is that is that God made someone for everybody. And so, but Hollywood says that you got to be tall and thin and debonair. Right. You know, right. to right. to to be to be the, the 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 guy who's in love, and and I think you know uh, a guy like me can fall in love, and right. and uh, I think we should represent it, and and I'm willing. Writing and producing those sorts of roles. What do we do so that we have more opportunities created to give or to expand our ladder? of creativity. How, how do we do that? I always, you know, I, 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 schools bring me in to talk. And I always say to the students, look, if you're not creating, you're, you're, you're wasting an opportunity. Um, because we can write these roles that we want to play. Yes. And for me, um, I always second guess my dialogue. So I write with a few other people, Rusty Condit and a couple other friends around the country. And because of that, it's like, it's, it's, 
I'll always have like a great idea and say, look, I'll get to a point where you can see the whole picture and say, look, here's, here's the treatment. This is what I'm trying to do. And you take it from there <laughs> and then let, let them write the script. And I, I tell the students, look, find other people that have strengths that are different than yours mm. and collaborate on a project and write it and then get it out there. And so, you know, like the show that I'm pitching with Rusty Cundiff, it's like, I, I had the idea and I came to him. Uh, uh, we pitched it once before and uh, we pitched Eric Tannenbaum. It's a, it's a sitcom. Two and a half men exploded, became the biggest show on television. So they didn't have time for us. So then years later, we had an opportunity to, to rewrite it and pitch them again. And then COVID happened. And mm-hmm. so now the shows are down. So we're waiting, waiting for him to get his shows back together. And in the meantime, our manager is like, well, we're just going to find other big fish to help us push this thing out. Right. And so, um, so once pilot season is over, we're going to jump back out and go ahead and start pitching it and see what, see what we can go with it. Um, I think it's going to be a great idea. And it's, it's a character that, I, that, that, kind of gives itself to a little bit of darkness, but still funny. Yes. Yes, absolutely. How do you think your audiences who are so accustomed to seeing you in such likable roles, how do you think that they'll respond seeing their, their Mark Christopher Lawrence (laughs) in some sort of dastardly role? (laughs) With with stacks, when we released stacks and we started pushing it out to our fan bases, I, I kept getting messages from fans going, "Wow, I I thought, wow, this is like a really dramatic twist on Mr. Lawrence," and and, and then at the end there was something funny. <laughs> and so, yes. uh, uh, I, I I think I think they are okay with it. I think mm-hmm. they're I think they're ready for it. They're ready to see something a little darker. I did. Um, four episodes of Tyler Perry's um, All the Queen's Men. And my character is is a little, he's a little dark. You know, he's, 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 he's trying not to be, but, but it's in there. It's underneath and, you know, there's, Layers. they gave me a little bit of room to, to be funny, even though, um, you know, it's, a, it's a, the show is a drama. Yes. Yeah. So they did give me some room to be funny in it. So. But it was it's, it was good for me. I think it's a good look. Wonderful, wonderful. What was it like working with Mr. Perry? I didn't get to work with Tyler. He didn't he didn't direct the episodes that I that I was in. Okay. Um, I worked with with Kim Fields. She directed two of them. Oh, beautiful. And then two other brothers directed the other two that I was in. Um, you know, hopefully I'll go back second season and, and do some more and end up working with Tyler. I think it would be great, great opportunity. I was so impressed with the studio that, you know, I told this person who's there all the time in the studio, you know, when you talk to him, tell him that, that um, I'm really proud of what he's done here. Yes. It's like, it's, it's a major motion picture studio run by, run by a black man, yes. you know, created by a black man. And and it's one of the best in the country. I mean, it's I, I don't know another studio that has housing on campus. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really fantastic. What would you like to see for us in Hollywood? Any improvements? Any anything that you can think of? You know, I I would like to see you know a, a more 
like, like just for example, just the other night, I'm flipping through channels and um, a lot of it, you know, we're, it, which is kind of my career. I'm, I'm the black guy on the white show. <laughs> and I would like to see, you know, more representation, you know, um, and not just for black people, but for, you know, all people of color. Yes. You know, um, it, it'd be nice to see more, more representation. It's like, because sometimes it's like you, you, you're watching some of these things. It's like, well, that doesn't speak to me at all. And, or I'll say that could have easily been a black person. You know, that could have been a show about a black family or, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I definitely like to see, you know, just, just open up the playing field a little bit, right. Right. a little more equality. It's not what it used to be. So, so I think it's moving in the right direction. Are you an actor first or a comedian first? Yeah, actor first. Okay. Comedian is my day job. Mm -hmm. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's the way I, I, I used to tell the guys I was I working for. <laughs> yeah. I'd open for guys and, and I'd always tell them, yeah, this is just, this is my day job. I said, yeah, I'm an actor. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Is there anyone else in your family in the industry? No. So you're the only one. Yeah. Yeah. My sister worked for Boeing for many years. Um, my mom worked for McDonnell Douglas Aircraft for many years, and then she then she worked in the medical industry. Mm -hmm. um, my nephews are are all in corporate America. Okay. So I'm I'm it. Right. That's wonderful. And you're originally from Compton. Really? Yeah. Muy interesante. Yeah. I, I grew up literally directly around the corner from Suge Knight. Um, our house was here. There's a house across the street from us. He lived on the next street behind that house. And, um, you know, it's funny what creating a character and, and trying to live up to that character will do to your life. <laughs> when when life imitates art? Yeah, cuz cuz growing up he wasn't he wasn't a gangster. We, you know, just complete mm -hmm. a complete sort of uh like like we used to call like a lot of the rappers studio gangsters. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they were gangsters because of that's what they rapped about. You know, the real gangsters didn't rap about it. You know, you look at Coolio, he never rapped about being a gangster. Right. Because he was not, he was trying to get away from that. Yes. How you did know, you get and, away? Um, How did you get away from? Uh, a couple ways. Prayer, a lot of prayer. There's, there's a lot of prayer going on in our house and you know my mother's friends my mother you know is 82 and, and they're still on the prayer line that's her soul beautiful today beautiful. and um uh and, and i ran into a teacher mrs Schilling, my 10th grade english teacher got me involved in in speech and put me in my first play introduced me to my friend who perry brent who was my mentor who kind of got me involved in comedy uh he and my friend lennon and so uh, all of a sudden um, I didn't have time to hang out. Yes. Because she gave me something else to do. You know, when sports were over, a lot of the guys, you know, just went back to their ways. Like one of the one of the best football players on our team in high school, 
he um, was a gangbanger after football season. <laughs> football season was over. All of a sudden, he was a crip. <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. You know, and, and and during football season, you know, he, he went to class and did what he had to do so he could play. Wow. And then, um, you know, but Mr. Schilling gave me something to do that wasn't that. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and, you know, thank God it, it, it was something that I really liked and excelled in and, you know, ultimately ended up with a, a scholarship to USC. Beautiful. You know, to do it. So that's how it happened. Beautiful. Beautiful. And there are many, many people in the world who are very pleased and very happy that it in, it, it unfolded in that way, you know? So that's that's a wonderful thing. Wonderful, wonderful yeah, thing. Me being one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I look back on my life and I go, you know, I could have easily gotten sucked up into, you know, gangs or drugs or whatever. And, and you know, and I, and I believe that God puts you where he wants you to be. And you just got to listen. You know, that, that, that free will that we have sometimes gets in our way. Sure. You know. I remember, you know, after high school, I stopped going to church because I felt like, you know, I'm grown. I don't have to go to church if I don't want to. You know, that was my mother's rule. And then as I got older, so I felt like something was missing in my life. And then I started seeking it out. And yes. that's what it was. Wow, I need to go to church. I need to get me some church. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And that's another thing that I think is wonderful that um, you are unpretentious and open about your faith. So that's a beautiful thing um, within your career. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, um, God won't take you to it if he won't take you through it. I let people know that, you know, I'm not a perfect Christian by any stretch of the imagination. Christianity is a process. You know, sometimes God works in a miraculous way and changes your life overnight. And sometimes, you know, because of that free will, He's got to work and shape and mold you and put you in the refiner's fire. And you got to go through some stuff and you never know why you're going through some stuff. And like, I remember yes. going through a certain thing in my life that, that, you know, I was wondering, you know, why am I going through this? Why did, I, why did this happen? You know, at, at, at this age, it's like in my forties. And then um, pr just prior to me going through this thing in my life, um, somebody was praying for me on a daily basis. And then, and we would talk once a week. And through the process of me going through my thing, uh, he started going through the same thing. And had I not gone through what I went through and have him uh, sending me scriptures and praying for me and talking to me, I wouldn't have known what to tell him. Yes. And then I was able to say some of the exact same things that he said to me. And because he was going through sort of the exact same thing that I went through. And uh, I actually talked to him about a week or so ago, and he is, uh, you know, happy. And he came through the other side unscathed, you know, scarred, but 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 not but not broken, yes. you know. And 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 uh, I look back on it and I go, well, maybe maybe that's what I was supposed to do because of that. Is is that why this happened? Is that you know? And and so you never know you know, why you're going through something, just pray through it and believe that you'll be, you, you'll be fine on the other side of it. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's really all that we have 
to hold on to. I, I happen to be a woman of faith as well, and uh, a woman of faith, and I, I, irrespective of anything else, that's that's really mm-hmm. all I have. That's all we have. That's all I have. Yeah. That, that is my sustenance, and I, I try to live my perfectly imperfect life um, mm-hmm. that way as a giver uh, in in a way that we were designed to do, which is for more than ourselves, you know? Right, right. Really? I, I had somebody ask me one, one time, uh, you know, about the things that I post and you know, it's hopped in my inbox and, and asked me, you know, why do you post that stuff? And I said, um, because it's what I read every day. And let's and, tell our um, viewers, by the way, who might not be aware, you're referring to scriptures. Yeah, yeah, I post scripture. It, the first thing I do in the morning is I get up, I read a scripture, and um, and I pray, and then uh, I make a post and, and post it. I used to do it exclusively on Twitter and on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I would only post you know, gigs, you know, places people can come out and see me if I was promoting something. And then during the pandemic, during the quarantine, I had nothing to post on the gig side. And so I said, well, I might as well post this stuff. So I'm posting it over here. I might as well post it. And the feedback was enormous. People were like, you know, thank you so much for posting these scriptures. And, you know, I really needed that today. Yes. And so I was like, okay, so now I'm just going to keep it. And so I, so I just post that every day. And, but someone asked me, you know, you know, you know, why do you post it? I told him why. And then he, he said, um, he said, he said, do you really believe that stuff? I said, yeah. He mm-hmm. says, why? I said, because I have to believe something. Yes. I said, I said, and I grew up believing it. And I said, I said, um, uh, you know, a lot of people shy away from Christianity because of it, because it's, it's faith based. It's, it's, you have to have faith that Jesus died and rose on the third day so that we can live. I said, so, and, and a lot of people, you know, are very hands-on, they want to touch, they want right. to have a tangible God. Right, And right. And, um, uh, but but that's, that's, that's not the reality. And um, so I had to believe something and I, and I believed it, I, it's, it's in me, it's my foundation. And even when I got away from it, I realized that it was missing and I got back to it and I tell you, just by uh, the way things unfold in my life and unfolded throughout my life, you know, I have to believe it because because I've seen the power of it. Yes. You know, there's power in the name of Jesus. And Absolutely. so I, I call on him all the time. Yes. You know, well, I was walking last night in the rain for an hour and 51 minutes, you know. Um, out of the corner of my eye, I just kept seeing something. And I was like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And um, and, I, and I believe that that we are in a spiritual warfare. There's a battle. Absolutely. I read a book called this clear, "This Clear and Present Danger," and when I read that book, you know, they talked about these these demons and angels sitting on rooftops, you know, uh, battling. And as I'm walking last night, some of these shadows that you know were crossing my my peripheral. You know, and clearly wasn't animals. I was saying to myself, well, maybe that's, you know, one of these de- demons or one of these angels. Let me just call them the name of Jesus so I can get mm-hmm. home safely. <laughs> to take this walk with you, that hour and 51 minutes in the rain, in the drizzle. Exactly. 
it's it's so I don't trip over something and fall and, and, and end um, up on but, YouTube or, or <laughs> but it's so true that tells me that you have the spirit of discernment well, yeah and and, and and helps lead you out of danger it's something that I take very very seriously so yes I I, I definitely I hear you mm-hmm. um, and that is why one of the reasons why your career continues to flourish in this industry, which is very, very fickle. We can be here one minute today and gone in another half an hour. Oh yeah. You oh know? yeah. So it's a wonderful, it's a very wonderful. fickle industry. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, people like sometimes I'll go and do comedy at a church or I'll you know, work somewhere and someone will ask me, you know, what, what can we do for you? And I, and I say, how about just put me on your prayer list? And so I probably have thousands of people praying for me daily. And you. I think that helps, you, you know, that helps immensely with my life. And, and, you know, just to know that people are praying for me. Yes. Yeah. So if anybody's out there, you got your prayer list, write me, put me on there. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. That, that's so beautiful. That is really where our success lies i believe oh yeah yeah you know, really and truly yeah really and, truly. and i think i think over the years for me in my career it's like it's part of my longevity part of yes. of me being able to go to an audition and just let it go um right you know i pray before i do the work on the material going into the audition i pray before i go into the room yeah and then i pray afterward and then i let it go and right. uh Early in my career, it was hard for me to let it go. It's like I I, I go and then I'm checking my messages, and, and then you know once I realize I'm not getting them all, and mm-hmm. then the prayer started, and, and I was like, okay, this puts me at ease. Right. It calms me, right? You know, because because anxiety, be anxious for nothing. Yes. You know, and and that just makes me calm. I do it, and boom, I'm either gonna get it, or I'm not. And I'm on to the next thing. And that's so beautiful. And I thank you for sharing, being so transparent and sharing that. We see the the glitz and the glamour and the whole nine yards of Hollywood and the red carpets and these blockbuster films. And, mm-hmm. you know, we sometimes forget that there are human beings who have very complex lives. And that is inspiring, I'm sure, you know, uh, to others. It's It's mm-hmm. inspiring to me. Really and truly to hear that. Good. You know? So that's, 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 yeah. Beautiful... I, I, you know, somebody, somebody said to me once, um, uh, I think I had just worked with Burt Reynolds at the time. So I said, Oh, wow. What an amazing to work with him. I said, I said, he's just a guy. I said, just like the next guy. I said, you know, he puts his shoes on the same way I put mine on. Except he might also have been on running, top of that, he's, he's a person. He might have been running while he was putting on some of those shoes, you know, in accordance to some of those old Hollywood <laughs> stories. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but that's a horse of a different color, you know. Right, but but it's just you know, people are people. It's like it's like in this yes. industry, outside of this industry, you know, people that aren't in it, you know, they they seem to elevate it to a point where you know, they, they lift people up. And it's like, for me, these are just people. I'm, you know, I'm just a regular guy. And, right. and if, if I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody say to me, you're just a regular guy. I was like, yeah, I am. 
And my closest friends are just regular guys that, you know, my closest friends are not in the industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some good friends in the industry that have been friends with for years, but my closest friends that, you know, I talk to every day that if somebody tries to break in your house while you're at work, they go over and they put in a, 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 a monitoring system at your house. Yes. You know, and then yeah. don't want you to pay them for it. It's like, you yes. know, these are the people that, that are in my life. Right. That's you know, beautiful. Um, and they love Mark for yeah, Mark. And for Mark. They could care less that, that I'm an actor. Right. You know, a couple of projects. Uh, we just closed on a, on, um, a Pure Flix project called Fragment. And um, it's, it's going to be fantastic. It's, it's, I, don't, I don't know if I can talk about it right now, but, but I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it. It's definitely going to be on Pure Flix. And then I'm doing an independent film called Lying Together. Uh, in March, and the fragment film I think we shoot in May. The the series, it's a series on Pure Flix. Okay. So those two things are coming up, and I'll be in D.C. doing stand-up comedy. I believe the weekend of like the seventeenth of February. Oh, okay. Right, right around there. So Valentine's weekend. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's right after Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. I head out. I think I fly out on the sixteenth and come back to the ninth. Okay, okay, terrific, terrific. Yeah, and and if you got a church, you know, bring me in, and I'll come here to church. Isn't that beautiful? That is so 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 cool. You will leave your information or contact information, correct? You want to share that with anyone? Sure. Uh, let's do that. Yeah, the best way to reach me is go to my website, markchristopherlawrence.com. Yep, reach me or book me. To, like, even when you when you scroll down, you'll see a little button that says "Book Now," mm-hmm. and you click that button, and it'll take you to a page where you can where you can book me, or you can just uh, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you can see um, uh, the people that I work with. You know, all my my management and all that, and just call one of them. And uh, mm-hmm. to have seen your career over the years still flourishing that makes me happy and uh so it's it's just a wonderful thing and is there a last word a final word you would like to leave with our online viewers and listeners yes um you know we're we're all going through a very difficult time in the world right now and um i just want to say to you all that it, it it'll get better uh, in the meantime, reach out to those that you love and those that you care for and even those that, that uh, you, you don't love or know or care for. You know, reach out to somebody and let them know that you're praying for them. Let, let them know that, that uh, you care about them. Because sometimes in, in this, this situation that we're in, you know, we, we get a little isolated and we get a little uh, down. I know when we were just stuck at home the whole time, there were many days where I just felt like, wow, I'm, I was all alone. So people need to hear from you. So so call somebody and, and say hello and tell me you love them. And, and um, you know, I've lost a lot of people over the over the, the past year, uh, like just since March, 20 people. Mm. So, um, so sorry to hear that. And then some of them, some of them, I feel like, you know, I, I didn't say what I, what they meant to me. Yes. So um, take the time to call somebody and let them know what you, how you feel about them. And, um, and I'll be doing the same. You know, love you all. Take care of yourselves. 
stay happy and healthy and safe. I thank you. I thank you for what you do, not just your career, but uh, I thank you for what you do for each of us every day. The scriptures, the posts that you share, the words of encouragement. Uh, I, I thank you for that because I realize how important it is. And, um, and I thank you for appearing on the Imagine That with Robin Ritchie podcast once again. It's always Thank you, pleasure. Robin. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. <laughs> so nice to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. And uh, we're still here. Yes. Yeah. We are still here. And let's go shooting sometime. You know, I'd love that. I would love that. Really and truly. Yes, that, that would be yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. So Mark Christopher Lawrence, I thank you. All of God's blessings. Just moving forward with this wonderful journey of yours safely and steadily. Thank you so we much. need that. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I would like to take this opportunity to thank the Imagine That with Robin Ritchie podcast viewers and supporters. So I thank all of you. And uh, until the very next time, it's darling, all, it's always wonderful. Yes. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you've been logged on to the Imagine That with Robin Ritchie podcast. I'm Robin Ritchie, and tonight's guest was two-time Emmy nominee, Mark Christopher Lawrence. Until the next time, be well and God bless. Bye-bye now.